What's up, everyone? The Go Long Podcast here. Tyler Dunn, Jim Modis. Great to have you with us as the 2023 season draws near. I know that we we really wish we could get some more exhibition football. Jim has been, uh, his eyes, nobody can see it if you're listening, but his eyes are currently bleeding from the socket after staring at his screen for three days straight, but catching all of the action. It's what we've been waiting for, Tyler. Um, welcome to preseason week, whatever this is, one. Yes, I have not stopped watching. Here's what we know. I, I'm so happy after preseason week one. We know that Anthony Richardson has, does some good things and bad things, just like he did at college. He's right on pace. I heard that. Um, we do know that this Raiders quarterback, I've never heard of him, Aiden O'Connell, is possibly could beat out Garoppolo if he stays on pace. <laughs> and you Tyler, know what's funny? Know we, we can sit here and highbrow it I and mock it, but then as I'm driving to get wings with my brother the other day, I'm listening to the Miami whoever they were playing preseason game on NFL series, listening to Miles Gaskin gaining two yards off right tackle, you know, Mike White. Like literally the, the, the announcer said, that's a good sign. They got the play call in. That was a problem last year in that playoff game. They got the playoff. That's a good sign. I, but I'm listening to it. I'm consuming this all. I'm watching it. So I'm not going to sit here and ridicule. They don't, I guess the NFL knows what they're doing because we're, we're all eating it up. Let me tell you why they know what they're doing. San Francisco in Vegas playing the Raiders. They brought at least 15, it said probably 15, 20,000, you know, 15,000 49er fans were in the building cheering on a preseason game. And it said goal accomplished. That's just, they're just shoveling people to Vegas to watch preseason football, like you said. And then they can go and lose more money after they spent money on a pointless preseason game. Then you go and lose more money, you know, gambling or whatever you're going to do in Vegas. But point being, the NFL knows what it's doing. The crowds are there. They're not putting these games on because they're losing money. And yeah, and there is, you know, we're sorry. I'm, I'm, I'm hardcore sarcastic because there are things you take away from the preseason. Get a look at your rookies if you want. Get your eyes on guys. See how they move around. Maybe you can see how some teams are working in younger players or free agents because they are new. But I'm just telling you, coaches don't game plan. They don't care. The play, everybody wants to stay healthy. And like I told you, very few spots are being fought for to make the roster. It's all about practice squad. Blitzes being yep. had. Right. <laughs> I'm just telling It's hard for me because I do know that there are there are things that you can get out of the preseason, but to make judgments and statements and think you're going to get anything about your team, don't. You're not. You know, I'm trying to think of the best way to articulate exhibition football. And I have to say exhibition because if I learned anything from my pal Bob McGinn at the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel, currently a esteemed go-long contributor. Have some announcements to make down those Bob lines soon, hopefully. Uh he said that the word preseason is a NFL sanctioned, sanitized, just 
created word. Like they just, they, they basically created this word themselves instead of just calling it, leaving it an exhibition. These were exhibition games. So maybe we'll bring Bob on to explain it much better than I ever could. But I think the best way to articulate exhibition football is maybe that, that scene, I'm thinking back to the 90s. Remember that movie Matilda? And Mitch, Miss Trunchbull makes the, the little boy, Brucey, eat all that Great. chocolate cake. Like he, he has to sit out. in front of everybody because he took a piece of cake earlier. She's like, oh, you yeah. want cake? Here's a big old chocolate cake. He's got to down the whole thing in front of the whole school. And at first he's kind of like, oh, this is like, this is really tough. I, what are you kidding me? I can't eat all this cake. And then by the end of it, like he eats the whole thing. He holds the thing over his head. That's, that's basically America and preseason exhibition football is the cake. So by, by the end, we're, we're all eating it up. And we're all celebrating. And then the NFL, like Trunchbull, just kind of smashes it on your head at the end. And we all move right along to the games that matter. Stick to the X clips. <laughs> Deuce Vaughn. Deuce Vaughn running back. Hey, he looked good. I was going to say, what did stand out? What he did. These games? Was there something I, I, that did? I will say this about him. And this is what I was going to say about the preseason. So when you do see the highlights of Deuce Vaughn, the running back for the Cowboys, who everybody's talking about, because I think he's five foot six. And I guess if you follow college football, you know about him. I'm not a huge college football fan, so I didn't hear about him. But his father coaches for the Cowboys. But all you had to do was watch. And this is what I'm talking about with the X clips. The highlights, I'm not looking at the stats. I'm not looking at the yards. Look at his ability to make people miss in short areas and his ability to change directions and leaving guys just standing there. That's the things you see. That's a rare quality. That's the Barry Sanders. That's the Shady McCoy. Brian Westbrook, where you just they're just leaving people standing there guessing. I brought out some old names because those guys to me, when I think about running backs in a phone booth, we you know, running backs in a phone booth making guys miss, those guys come to mind. So I thought Deuce Vaughn was somebody I'd pay attention to. Um, I love the backup quarterback battles. We'll get into it, but I, I heard Buffalo's very happy. Barkley outplayed um um Kyle uh, Allen. Kyle Allen. I get confused. They they bring in a new um, standard backup from Survivor Island. I always say it's like they're just pulling guys off a of backup quarterback island. Case Keenum, uh, Kyle Allen, come on down. We're gonna try you this Mitchell year. Trubisky. Right. Hey Trubisky, you were in Pittsburgh this year. We're gonna ship you to the, here this year, and then you know wherever. Trubisky's about to be. I, we'll talk about all that, but. Um, no, that's a good point, though. There's always a player that there is. looks so damn good that you can't deny it. No, and you're this, gonna this, see- this is a really good sign. Like you kind of knew that Russell Wilson was going to win that job in Seattle, uh, based off of well, day one of OTA's mini camp. He was in the building before Matt Flynn. People they, they they saw how he was working. Not that Matt Flynn was being lazy, but I think it was so above and beyond that this rookie out of Wisconsin wanted it more. And then when he applied it to something beyond practice and looked as good as he did in the exhibition games, that was kind of like the final nail in the coffin. Like I do wonder Tampa Bay has really been coy at quarterback with this Baker Mayfield, Kyle Trask competition. Like you're not bringing in Baker Mayfield. If you do really believe in Kyle Trask after seeing Kyle Trask, like, we saw Washington like all in on Sam Howell, Atlanta all in on Desmond Ritter. I, I get it, Trask has been behind Tom Brady, but 
that is enough of a sign to me. Okay, like if Baker can just show something out there in these games, he's going to start. And he had a really nice throw for a touchdown. Maybe that was it, right? In their hey, minds, regardless of what they say. It's You said they're being coy. I always said it's like when you don't hear a team talking about their quarterback too much, the position, I always felt like it's that friend – or family member that we've all had that is in a new relationship, but they haven't quite brought that person around yet to meet his <laughs> closest friends and family. Um, that's what Tampa's doing right now. They're just, they're just not, they're not, they're not, they're not being coy. They're just, man, we're not sure how committed we are to this relationship we have with Baker and Trask. We don't really want to push them on anybody yet. That's how I look at, uh, if you're not pushing your quarterback on your friends and family, it means you don't have one probably. Um, but anyway, We're not that, Facebook your, official quite yet. The or or the, they get rid of or on the depth chart. Um, but but Baker Mayfield, like you do want to see quality fish and drives from your starter. I would be like when you see Trevor Lawrence throw that throw that crazy pick. That's a concern a little bit. You walk away from that game if you're Jacksonville a little upset because that's just a sloppy play from somebody you expect better than. You don't want to see that in one series. You don't care if the series doesn't result in a touchdown, but you don't want to see kind of a turnover or a strange, why'd you throw that? Or did you get fooled on that? That's all, that's all they take from that. Um, so I there obviously there's always some things to take away. Especially, I mean, sitting down with Press Taylor, like they they love his trajectory where Trevor Lawrence is going. Obviously, we we've talked hmm. about him a ton on the show. Excellent. But the one thing that exit meeting before the offseason that Press Taylor, Doug Peterson, the Jaguars told Trevor Lawrence was, "We just need you to be Clark Kent." And I think this has kind of been a theme. They probably brought it up to him more than Trevor Lawrence can even recall. Like, you don't have to be Superman. You don't have to make that crazy throw. Thinking back to the London game against Denver, a really bad turnover right when they're on the doorstep, he's got some of that in there. So I think they're just trying to kind of like tidy that up, get that out of his game. So, yeah, you don't want to see that. Did you see the Jets receiver um, troll Sean Payton? Oh, Garrett Wilson. That's Garrett right. Wilson. The, the the Gilligan hat, the shades, the in-game interview. There's like that's four good, things. He checked every box. That's some good preseason action. Um just, you know, I like that he played up to that. That was good. I like that. That was good. Um, but, yeah, I don't know. What do you take away? Did you notice anything that caught your attention? Like Denver, Russell Wilson, they, uh, you know, I, I, I tried to read up on it. I think, I think as Jordan I Love entered the MVP race. So, with he, he's another – yes, he's entered the X Clip Hall of Fame, all that right now. You're right. Nice Jordan touch. Yeah, Perfect touch Bay. to Romeo Dobbs. Green Bay can rest yes. easy. They can rest easy. They made the right move. They got rid of the Hall of Fame talent for an unproven guy, and he's officially proven. So Jordan okay, Love is I you know I love love. But no. to your point, here we are. Like we're, we're here we are, Brucey eating the cake. We're just stuffing our face in it right now. That's it. You know what did stand out to me that I really liked? I mean, Kenny Pickett, the way the ball flies off his hand. I know the hand is gloved. I know it's it's very small hand, but it flies off his hand. Well, uh, he had some darts out there. I'm like, okay, I, I forgot he looked really damn good last season. And we that talked last about month, a lot month last and a half, right? The fourth quarter comebacks. 
there there could be something there. Uh, that that strike over the middle. Yes, if I'm taking anything from this weekend, I feel even better about Kenny Pickett. Okay, let me give you a team then that, and I can't believe I'm talking about this team again because it's but the Cleveland Browns. You, you'd spark me when you're thinking about this division. Tyler, I keep going back to them. If Watson is Watson that we all have watched our whole life, except for last year, get rid of the – we're not going to talk about the character, okay? I think we've established that. That's done. We're talking about football. If Watson is Watson, dominant offensive line, dominant defensive line, running game, you're talking about playmaker quarterback. That's what you're looking for. Like, I don't care what they paid him. That's the job to get Deshaun Watson. That's what we're doing in the NFL – as a front office coaching staff, you're looking for Deshaun Watson. So, yeah, you can say what you want about how they got him, but they got him. To me, if he is himself, they are now in the mix. In that that division is wild. That division's wild. That you know, Joe Burrow's health is something to keep an eye on. Agree. I still am going to assume that Cincinnati wins the division. Joe Burrow, Jamar Chase, T. Higgins, the firepower, I think, overwhelms anything. But they didn't – it was hard for him to get going last year when he missed camp, most all of camp, I believe, with the ap- apodectomy. Remember, they started poorly. They lost that game to Dallas. He had all those turnovers against Pittsburgh in week one. It, it was ugly. Uh, Once they got play. rolling, I mean, yeah. they found their identity. It didn't really matter how teams tried to take away the deep no. ball. They just They just adjusted. Not being there, uh, he's so good. It probably doesn't matter that much, but this is another year that Joe Burrow is recovering from the ACL before all this, that he hasn't been able to uh, be around for a pretty important time of year of practice. It's probably going to take a little bit for them to get going, and, and maybe that period of trying to get going allows a Pittsburgh or a Cleveland or a Baltimore right. Right. to – start fast and force Cincinnati to play catch up. Yeah, it's loaded. And and on and, and Cleveland, you know the player that Elijah Moore, you brought him up two, three months ago. It sounds like he is everything that they could have wanted and more. Um, I think he leads them in targets, leads them in receptions. It's going to here we are handing roses to the New York Jets. Not on this show, obviously. Right. <laughs> I think they're going to regret just not figuring Elijah Moore out some way, somehow, because it sounds like he could be you know, a true weapon. Deshaun Watson's been going to him a lot all summer. Because a lot of times with a guy like Moore, all you have to do is get him the ball quick. Get him the ball and let him go to work. That's his That's the game. NFL today, right? That's what it's it, all about. Right. It's either right. And then take your shots. Take your shots or get it to your playmaker because – you're not going to have time to go through progressions. It sounds good when you study quarterbacks and, hey, he goes through his progressions and he he can get to his third read. Who the hell has time to get to their third read? Like, it, that's not the NFL anymore. If you yeah. do, you're, you're probably Jalen Hurts playing behind that O-line. Or, or... That's such a great point, Jim. I think that the, the pass rushers are so good in today's NFL, and it's not just screaming off the edge. It's interior guys. It's Micah Parson types where they're blitzing through every conceivable gap. It's TJ Watt. I mean, Joe Burrow's talked about this where it's like Joe Burrow has this 
unbelievably quick release next to Tom Brady. Nobody's was quicker last year. He said, even then TJ Watt is so good at reading where the play is going to go, where he's going to throw, timing up his jump, getting his arms up. Um, it just pays to have that ubiquitous weapon. That's kind of positionless that you can just kind of dump it off to throw hot to jet sweep to do all this weird stuff with Kansas city is another team where, yeah, they, they've got all these green receivers. I think Sky Moore is going to be that player for them. Sky Moore seems like that Elijah Moore type where they're going to get him the ball and just try to let him do something. Justin Fields, going back to the X clips, he had the two long touchdowns. I think both passes were behind the line of scrimmage. Behind the line of scrimmage. Like that's, you, you can't take anything away from that. They're going crazy about Fields, and we know I'm a you know we're Fields believers, fans, whatever. I'd like to see, I want to see him be successful, but what I want to see, I still haven't seen it. And I keep saying, I want to see the volume completions down the field. Like one drive of, give me four or five, just great completions, extending drives, not a behind the line of scrimmage preseason. DJ, DJ Moore, DJ Moore, that's what he does. I mean, we know he's a, you know, he's one of the top 20 receivers, 15 receivers in the NFL. I just think you're absolutely right, though. Like it's uh, the NFL. A lot of it still is a quarterback looking downfield, reading coverages downfield. It is it's working through progressions quickly, spitting the ball where it has to go. Um, but a lot of it is just that, like scheming, like on that first layer of the defense, figuring out a way to get the ball to a really fast, athletic dude. Look, look tackling in today's NFL isn't that great because nobody really hits. Nobody does tackling drills, understandably so. Um, most of these starters aren't playing in these exhibition games. So, hey, just get a ball, get the ball to a freak show and dare the other team to try to catch him and tackle him and get him to the ground. So that could be a mini trend that we see this season. All right, this episode, we want to get into Dan Campbell's Detroit Lions. We've got the story, stories up, go along, td.com, part one, part two, DNA of the Lions. Uh, Jim, I guess the impetus for this was they're the offseason darlings. They're the team everybody's jacked up about, excited about. Yet, usually when we get that team, it's because of an ascending quarterback in year three, Mm -hmm. maybe. Everybody expects that quarterback to take a jump. It's um, a big trade in the offseason, right? Maybe a team traded all these first-round picks for Tyreek Hill. It's um, a microwaved hype situation where the New York Jets trade for an old quarterback who can't move like he used to move. But, you know, you throw it in the microwave, you set it in a minute, and you're good to go. The Detroit Lions, like, look, Ford Field sold out for the first time in its 21-year history all the home games. I saw a fan got a tattoo of the Vince Lombardi trophy, Detroit Lions, Super Bowl champs. Like it's real. Like people are excited about this team. That's won one playoff game since 1957. And the reason has nothing to do with the quarterback position or like winning the press conference with a big trade or big contract or, or any of that. It's so real and organic. And they've now spent three full off seasons, GM Brad Holmes, head coach Dan Campbell, searching for exactly the type of player that they want. 
And that's kind of what led me out there to spend a little time chatting with players at, at each of the three levels, right? Some players who they were there with Matt Patricia and they survived on to Dan Campbell, a wave of players. These are the players that Dan Campbell sought right away, early March, Khalif Raymond being one of those guys. And then a newcomer like Cameron Sutton, cornerback from Pittsburgh, who the way he speaks on wanting to like just be dragged off a football field is like everything that Dan Campbell ever could have wanted. So it was fascinating. And I thank everybody out there who has read, subscribed, and shared. Again, we're going to grow because of you, not ads, corporations, any of that. We, we believe in word of mouth, just trying to tell real stories that lift up the curtain on real pro football. And I think the more you really talk to these guys, Jim, and I can't wait to get your opinion on this dynamic. It, it's so much of it really is coaching and the way Dan Campbell speaks to them day to day, operates, runs practice, all of that matters, especially when you see how bad it was with Matt Patricia. We'll get into that. My, my takeaway is like, look, and I ended the story, the, the part two with this, like the, David Goggins, the famed Navy SEAL turned motivational speaker, author, like he always comes back to this point. Like motivation is, is bullshit. Like mo- motivation isn't real. Like you're motivated when everything's great. It's sunny outside. The bills are paid, all that stuff. If you're motivated, Dan Campbell is not about motivation as much as we might think he is with all the, the epic sound bites and press conferences. He's about intri- intrinsic drive and just being obsessed. And I think where people got Dan Campbell wrong, like you, you hear him and you think he's this junction boys style, old school coach who is trying to like, just inject it into his players asses in training camp. Like you will run through a wall for me. Boom, take this syringe. Like, no, he gets, you either have that in you, like it's innate, or you don't. And we want the guys that have it, and then we'll create an environment around you and that quality you possess that maximizes your ability, that makes you want to go to work in the morning and work as hard as you possibly can and take advantage of your unbelievable physical gifts. And what do you hear from players all the time? They say, look, it's the NFL. Everybody's talented. And it's true. Like most of these guys, they can run four, four and four fives. They can throw up 225 pounds, 25 times. Like they, 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 they can do all this stuff. You're not a slappy. If you're in the NFL, it's that other stuff that matters. Like how do you, how, and you, how do you measure it? I think that's, what's hard for people to, to figure out. Like there's no DVOA like statistic to measure who's going to care on fourth down in the fourth quarter, and they've got nothing left to make the play you need in that moment. And I think the fact that Dan Campbell has spent three years now finding the player that is going to respond to that moment, that's how you start 419 and one, as he did, and then finish eight and two, hottest team in the NFL. Everybody in the NFC just thanking God they didn't get into the playoffs. Like they, by the end of the season, who knows what would have happened when they got in the playoffs? So, look, I don't know about carryover. You know, is it really carryover from winning at Lambeau Field, ending Aaron Rodgers' Packers crew into the next season seven months later? No, no but I think there is something to just the, the the permanent changes that they've made in that building of finding the right kind of player that isn't going to get flustered, isn't isn't going to get high, isn't going to get low. When they like, 
you know, with, with, when they're downplaying these Super Bowl expectations, it's real. I mean, I think they're genuinely taking it day to day because they did the same thing when they were one and seven. And Tracy Walker and all these players are like, look, yeah, we're losing, but it doesn't feel like we're losing. We feel like we're 16 and 0 going into these games because of Dan Campbell. And it's so hard to find a coach like that. Like we had Eric Wood on, Richie and Cognito on, players for those Rex Ryan Bills teams that said, look, Rex got me jacked. I wanted to run through a wall with his pregame speeches. Some of the most empowering stuff I've ever heard in my life. But let's be honest, Rex, Rex, which is great, Rex just got way too high and way too low. After the Bills lost that game to the Patriots, remember the Guinness Book of World Records came in to measure the decibel level week week two? I just remember this deflating feeling in the building. Everything got way too low, and the team was one and one Like, it was the start of the season. So I'm kind of all over the place, but that that was kind of my takeaway. The Dan Campbell just knows you've got to have this juice to you. And then he does everything right from there. I think what Brad Holmes, the GM, and Dan Campbell have done is you have to earn the credibility for any type of coaching style that you have. It's got to be credible to the players. And the fact that their offense is lighting people up with Jared Goff guy that's been in a Super Bowl, they brought him in. The players respect that. They're saying, okay, these guys have a plan. The coaching staff in front office have a plan. That's what the players do. They pay attention. Who are they bringing in? Who are they shipping out? What are we ranked? Did they get rid of that defensive? What's going on on the defensive side? Are they fixing things? Sure, they made a bunch of moves on the defensive side. So they have credibility right now with the team. So the team has bought in. But that style, Tyler, I, I really do believe this. He's lucky golf is playing or the offense is playing well with it. Not luck, but I don't want to say that because it's not luck. They they did go out and sign him and golf has proven to play well for them. But it's time now to win. They know that the pressure is now real. We're going to find out about this team, how much they love Dan Campbell. If they go through some tough times this year, how are they going to respond if the offense isn't lighting people up? If Jared Goff plays kind of average, that's how you pay attention to Detroit this year. How is that now we're going to see what Campbell's style has done in that locker room when they go through tough times. They haven't gone through tough times yet. They've had no expectations. Well, I don't know though. I mean, at 419 and one, 419 and one was expected. You're, you're looking down the barrel of getting fired, right? But no, because I think too new still. I think too new. I think they knew they had some time built in. I think sometimes coaches know when the pressure's on and, and, like for me, like for the Cleveland Browns, Stefanski, pressure's on. This is on you now. They have – the money has been spent. You have your franchise quarterback. It's like we talk about with the Bills. McDermott, it's on you. Like whenever the quarterback is in place, it now the focus is on the coach. It's that simple. Yeah, and it, it is fascinating to see what it was like. Before Dan oh, Campbell and that's the Tyler, that's the part that is just when you compared him to Urban Meyer a little bit, that blew my mind to think that a coach that like Patricia, who's been in the league so long and has been in draft meetings and has heard stories about Florida and college, like when you go through these stories of players and coaches, he may know Urban, I don't know, um, especially with all the stuff they do with Aaron Hernandez, but the uh. You know, they may have, but bottom line, you're comparing him to Urban Meyer is just that culture doesn't work unless you have all the talent in the country like Urban had. 
And Patricia didn't have all that talent. So all that tough guy stuff, man, those players, that's that's in one ear, out the other. I need to see wins. I need to see my stats improve. Like Jared Goff, he probably loves Dan Campbell. I mean, and Brad Holmes, because Brad Holmes had him in with the Rams, and when Brad came to Detroit, they made they they put themselves out there on golf. We talked about it. We thought they were the team that needed to go. We we thought they were the team that needed to go get a quarterback. And they stayed to well, they stayed to it. Goff was the collateral damage yeah. in trading Matthew Stafford. Right. And they 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 took on all this draft capital and it was like oh, the Rams basically said, okay, if we're gonna give you these first round picks, you need to take Jared Goff's contract. Mm-hmm. And it was almost in the moment it kind of felt like, man, this is sad. Mm-hmm. This is really sad. Jared Goff mm-hmm. was in a Super Bowl. He just won one of the greatest regular season games in NFL history against Patrick Mahomes. And now Sean McVay's giving up on him, scapegoating him, shipping him off to Detroit to die. And well, I, that's why it kind of plays to the larger theme too, Jim, because it's like the Lions have never been obsessed with, we need a franchise quarterback. We need to lose a lot of games. And get this quarterback at USC or wherever, Alabama, that's going to take over the NFL. Like, they never were obsessed with one position. I'm not saying it's right or wrong. It is an important position. They've just been about finding the right kind of player at every position that that cares, that genuinely cares and and wants to work and is going to pour their heart and soul into it. Because when you've got a Dan Campbell – instead of a Matt Patricia, that then it becomes natural. That, I mean, it's it, it's hard to strike that balance where you've got a coach who's funny, yet knows what to say, when he's got to say it, pushes the right players, doesn't play favorites. Because, I mean, Matt, Matt Patricia is building unity on, trying to build unity on this whole 89 and one concept in training camp. If you're the one guy on the 90-man roster who isn't buying in, I will cut you. I will trade you. And it doesn't matter who you are. So we trades Quandre Diggs a year after they gave him a big contract extension. And he's still one of the best DBs in the NFL. Same thing with Darius Slay. Trade him for a couple draft picks to Philly. One of the best cover corners in the NFL. Like you're saying your talent, your ability doesn't matter because it's about the collective here. And it's about me plugging holes and everybody buying in. And if you don't buy in, F you. You heard Tracy Walker. It was harsh rhetoric. And it was not really him. I think that's what hurt Matt Patricia, too. It was inauthentic. In the building, multiple players said this. He could be really friendly. He could be the guy you want a beer with. And all of a sudden, you go to the practice field, and he's mother effing you up and down. And it was it it didn't feel like it was really who he was as a person, and I think that rubbed a lot of guys the wrong way too. You know, he's not like this twenty four seven asshole. Like you know what you're gonna get. Um, the best way to put it is a Bill Belichick knockoff. There's only one Bill Belichick, and there's and there's a reason all these assistants go to other teams and fail because you can't just pick up what you do in New England, parachute it into a a Detroit into a Cleveland into a guy. Where else are these assistants gone? Houston, all of them. Even Brian Flores won games in Miami, but his relationship with Tunga Tagovailoa was 
got awful. I mean, it came to a head in that, I believe it was that Titans game. We wrote about it last year in the Tua series where Tua confronted him eventually. He was like, dude, you can't talk to players the way you talk to players. Um, it's just it's just not going to work elsewhere. It works in New England because you've got the six trophies in the case glistening. And, oh, yeah, Tom Brady's pretty good, too. He might have had something to do with it. It's just not going to work elsewhere. And um, you don't even have to be soft and coddling. I think that's a good takeaway, too, right? It's not like these coaches no. who do get the modern game and modern players are letting the players walk all over them. But there's just a, there's a genuine conversation had. Like if guys are are beat to hell and they need 30 minutes shaved off of practice for rehab, it's okay to give them those 30 minutes. That's the kind of stuff that Dan Campbell does that Matt Patricia wouldn't wouldn't do. Matt Patricia's putting in a mad-made hill on the practice fields for them to train on because that's what they did in New England. Um, I, it's, it's, it's refreshing to see that everybody can see now. You don't have to operate like Bill Belichick allegedly operated because there's also some people who say, oh, Bill Belichick, everything that you think he is, it's different. It's like this facade was created in a way that everybody thought you have to treat players like robots to win. It's just not true. I can tell you as a young scout working for Andy Reid, Sean Payton. And I say that because I was young working for both those guys. I was just learning. I was just trying to, you know, whatever. I was learning the NFL. And I can't think of coaches that have been more, they both obviously Super Bowl champions, but they were never, I never considered them players coaches or considered them soft. At the same time, I wasn't terrified of either one. I just believed in both of them. And, and that was me as an area scout. So obviously that's what the job is as the head coach. That's the figurehead. That's the, you know, that's the one voice of the franchise. It has to touch every single person, not just the players, scouts, everybody. And it worked for me. Like, I, that was instant credibility. Those guys weren't the holler. They aren't going out there barking and trying to rah-rah you. To your point, it's professional football. Be motivated to win and make your paycheck, make your money. That's professional. We don't have to motivate you. The other thing, I love that you brought up the Patriots assistants that have left, why they think that method would work, whatever you have to be yourself. Andy Reid's coaches, John Harbaugh, um, Ron Rivera, these guys have had pretty good success rates with other teams. I feel like Reid's tree has had success where Belichick's tree has not. And I just, I don't know. And that goes to, that goes to my whole other argument, but it goes back to every coach has to be themselves. They have to. And what whatever style that is. And then the results will the results are going to determine if the team buys into you or not at some point. Perfectly said. Another like Andy Reid, very similar to I mean Doug Peterson comes from the Andy Reid tree, right? And he does that's this. A, another good one, right? I forget thing. about Peterson. I that's a great yeah. call, Tyler. I forget about Peterson. And uh and Dan Campbell, all so all of these kind of coaches make it clear to players and to their assistant coaches. Anybody can talk to anybody about anything. Bring me your ideas. Right. Like seriously, like there, there's nobody going up to a, a Matt Patricia or a Brian Flores and say, look, here's my idea. Let's incorporate this idea. Let's put it in where Andy Reed, I think it was in the, the quarterback 
documentary or the, the Netflix series. I, I still have to watch it. Can't wait to can't wait to. But you hear this from players all the time. Like he wants players to come to him with X's and O's ideas, like a play. Is there something we should put in the game plan? Is there something you like to do? Because I think if a player has an idea, if a player's behind something, you're going to run through a wall. That's that's what Tracy Walker said. He said, I know I can go to Dan Campbell, Aaron Glenn, any of my coaches with an idea. And if they like it, if they put it in, you take ownership of that play, whether it's, uh, I don't know, a coverage, a blitz, or a, a quarterback, or something on the offensive side of the ball. Like You, you know that that play inside and out, you're going to take ownership of it. I think Andy Reid gets that. Campbell gets it. Doug Peterson get it. And they know like, man, if they're behind this, if they want this, if they believe in this, they're going to execute it. Instead of calling a play that you think with your ego is the best play for that moment. Maybe in the player's mind, they don't feel as confident about running that certain route or throwing into that certain window or covering from that angle of the field as a DB. You know what I mean? Like there is something to be said for a player being comfortable with what's being called. And if they've got an idea, you better be open to it because that might be the play that wins you the game then that, that they feel empowered and behind and own. So that, that that's another kind of element to this. And even right to the coaching staff, Scotty Montgomery, Dan Campbell's assistant head coach. I talked to him for this, for these, the series. He said, other coaches and other teams, they've got dress codes. Like everybody's wearing the same thing. Everybody's walking around the building. Nobody's saying a lot to each other. Uh, they know that they can go to Dan Campbell for for any reason. So it, it, it's not cliche and corny and you no know, like that, that. This stuff matters. It does translate to the field. And I think we saw it in Detroit that they they kind of busted that dam and and started winning some games. And that's why right now. Next to Philly, San Francisco, Detroit is probably right there. Well, to start with their division, who's not this? This is why this time of year is fun. But who's not fired up right now in their division? Green Bay thinks they're just fine as far as they're ready to see what love brings, but they feel good about their team in that division. Uh, Chicago, we know what's going on there. It's way over the top hype, um, but they're excited. And Minnesota still has Kirk Cousins, who they obviously have committed to, and every year they know they're competing and putting up numbers on offense because of Kirk Cousins. So everybody in that division, my point is, thinks they can win that division right now. And so Detroit's going to have – I mean, like I said, they need to go through adversity at this point. I don't yeah. feel like they have. I don't – I just – I see what you mean about – they did stay the course. They didn't fall in the tank. They fought through some losing. So that tells you, you that expectations have, were low. That's my thing. The expectations were low. So they, they're fighting for their jobs. They're going to play. But now, now they know it's playoffs, win a game. It's time. When you don't have the Josh Allen, Joe Burrow, Patrick Mahomes, Jalen Hurts, Lamar Jackson, pick whoever you want at quarterback. Right. I think that there's going to be skepticism too. Like offensively, this was a top five offense across any metric that you look at. Everything. And I kept looking to see. I, I'm just like every week. I'm like they are legit. Like everything you want to look at, and then you would and not to cut you off because I'm thinking about it now, but they would always come out. I felt like and just light people up, like right away. Twenty seven points a game. 
Um, using the run formula, using the pass, Ben Johnson, offensive coordinator, he stays, he doesn't take a head coaching job elsewhere. And I think that the skeptic will say, well, you know, lightning in a bottle. Um, can you really duplicate that? Because what sticks is that quarterback being central to everything. But I think we know now, like Jared Goff has played in the NFL for a long time. He is what he is. He's going to read the field. He's going to make every throw. You put him in a position to succeed. He'll execute that that play. He'll make that throw. And I just, I kind of love what they did personnel-wise where we all assumed Jamal Williams would be back. Right? Friend of the program. We had about a happy hour. Fun as hell. Just, you're not going to get more authentic than Jamal Williams. And he had 1,000 yards. Scored an NFL high 17 touchdowns. Him and DeAndre Swift, who's just suffered so many injuries, that that was the tandem. Well, they challenged themselves to be elite and sign David Montgomery to replace Jamal Williams, draft Jameer Gibbs to replace DeAndre Swift. We'll see how it works out. I don't know. But I think if we're trying to figure out what is that next step for Ben Johnson's offense, what is that innovation? How is it going to be different? Jameer Gibbs especially is the player that can make things different. Like that, That's somebody that is positionless, like we were talking about earlier, where you just want to get him the ball somehow, some way, from any square foot of the football field and let him do something special. I think he gives you that element that maybe DeAndre Swift didn't because he wasn't on the field a lot. And David Montgomery, you know what you're going to get. You know, Tough as a $3 steak. He'll... He'll, he'll be a leader in the locker room, all that stuff. Um, but I, it is interesting. Like Scotty Montgomery said, we thought with Jameer Gibbs as a rookie, we're going to throw a lot on his plate. It's going to take time. There'll be all these growing pains. They said he got everything really quickly, and this is a complicated offense. So if that's true, like if he picked things up as quickly as they say, I don't think they're going to ease him into action. I think week one, he'll be a big part of the game plan. Yeah, I can take it further and say that I'm not worried about anything based on where he was drafted. He's going to be picking up everything just fine. He will be out there. <laughs> He'll be playing. And to your point, I like how they are continuing to make moves, even though on offense, which nobody thought offense was the a problem, they still want to upgrade. They still weren't satisfied with their running backs or whatever it was that they wanted out of that position. They weren't satisfied with it, and they made moves. I respect that. Um, and it does. It comes down to golf. We know that. It's going to come down to golf. Pay attention to the lines against the teams that have the good defenses this year, early in the season, to see where they're at. If they're lighting up those good defenses, it's a good sign. Also, another great quality that Dan Campbell has, right? Like he he wants to empower his players and maximize all of their ability, but he doesn't fall in love with his players. He doesn't yeah. blindly just keep trotting out C minus talent. For the sake of it, I mean, the whole secondary basically was reset. Had to. I mean, he reset the backfield. The backfield was really damn good. So they're they're not afraid to make sweeping personnel changes, which is no. really important. They have a plan. Brad, Brad, Brad. You can see Brad Holmes has a plan. He's yeah. They don't and seem like they're just. They don't feel very um. Like when we talk about some teams seem like they're patchworking things sometimes, it just starts spiraling during the season. Injuries happen, 
at one position where you just get depleted and then you start reaching for guys. It happens. Detroit does seem very calculated and, and they have stayed. They never seem panicked since Brad has come in at GM. They never seen panic at quarterback. They, from the start, they thought they could get something out of golf and they're right. And if you want to learn like what, what, who, what kind of player is it that they're looking for part two main, like a, a major part of part two is like the rise of Khalifa Raymond, you know, the smallest player on the team embodying the spirit of the team as a whole. His story kind of blew me away, Jim, from, I mean, shattering his ankle in high school, thinking his football career is done, right? Like he was, by the way, he was like 5'2", 100 pounds when he first went into high school. Uh, and then he just sent over 800 emails to D1, D2, D3 schools begging somebody to look at his film, gets to Holy Cross, uh, gets to the NFL, and what he went through mentally with his struggles is, holy hell, I, I, I had no idea. He had a muffin of practice, and it just wrecked him. Night sweats, up all night, just in t- anticipation of the next practice. What, what's going to happen here? He has the two muffs against the Bills. Went to a really, really dark place and, and got out of it somehow. And I think you'll see why they like him so much. <laughs> So funny that the day I put that story out, they re-signed him through 2025. So they love him. Uh, He's a legitimate receiver and a returner. And I think he kind of summarizes everything that they're looking for and everything we're talking about here. So thank you to everybody who has subscribed. Uh, We are completely powered by you. So greatly appreciate everybody who has found Go Long and and share with a friend. Let let them know. Let's uh, let's keep this thing rolling. We'll definitely be back out there in Detroit because – Jim, I've been blown away by the response. These Lions fans are jacked. And to your point, we'll see. You know, well, there's going to be that brick wall. But I think that whenever they smash into that brick wall, whenever they do have that adversity, I think they've got the guys to overcome it. All right, Especially what, in the NFC when it's wide open. 100%. That's exactly what I was going to say. Almost every team's going to face with the whoever can get through that tough part of the season when you do hit the you we all know it every team goes through it it's over they're gonna have to blow it up every team goes through it every team goes through it i there's that one spot we all we used to joke about it like what part of the year is every pick every draft pick can't play blow it up everybody goes through it um and i'm I'm sure detroit will we'll we'll find that time but like i said every team and they're all trying right now. Everything still looks good for every team. This is we've been obviously handing out all sorts of accolades to the Detroit Lions here yeah. on the podcast at the site. If we're going to play devil's advocate and try to look at this team, this roster, okay, where could things go wrong? Where could they go wrong? Well, you do look at the wide receiver core. Like who is? that receiver on the outside that's going to consistently kill you down the field. Jamison Winston, Winston, Jamison Williams has the suspension, barely played as a rookie, all this talent out of Alabama. Now you're not really going to get him going for a year and a half into his career. That That's not ideal. Uh, you don't know. Amon Ross St. Brown is a stud. I mean, he is as good as it gets inside embodies everything that they're looking for catches 202 balls at the jugs machine every day, 606 a week. He's, he's a freak. So you know what you're going to get out of him. 
but there's not a lot of depth. Um, and Cle- Cleef Raymond, obviously, he gives you something inside. He's 5'8". Who is that big receiver outside that's going to do damage? That is what golf and the quarterback is paid to do. The offensive coordinator. I, I always go back to my Saints days. We didn't have a true, true big-time wideout, but we had the quarterback in place, and that's why. So that's where the quarterback does give you the value. That That's where you don't have those conversations. You're putting together – just like – just like Kansas City does, I see it with Andy Reid. We've talked about this. The great coaches, the one thing you see is the players stay the same no matter what team they go to as far as the skill set for that position will remain the same. Andy Reid's going to find – he's always going to have a tight end. He's always going to have an incredible receiving tight end. It's that important to his offense. So just get just know it. Andy Reid will have a great tight end. Detroit? Right now, they're banking on golf being like I, this is where you brought up a pretty good point. Like, who is that guy that if golf's not having a good game? Do they have a guy that can bail him out when golf's struggling? Or if if that offensive line can't protect golf, which we know is a weakness for golf because he's not going to get out of trouble on his own, they have to protect him. So the the defense was terrible. Terrible. Was the last like you're season. not going to win. I mean, you're not going to win with a defense like that. Yeah, they've, they've, they finished 32nd in total defense, but I have to find this this stat kind of blew my mind because, I mean, they, at the first week of November, hang on, let's see if we can. Uh, yeah, when, there was something I saw. Up, too. Yeah, go ahead. That's because they. Yeah, so when they were one and seven, and. One and seven. Campbell was 419 and one, and they have got every reason to, uh, you know, check out. And they responded, obviously, with the 8-2 yeah, yeah. finish. But if you go back to that that week, that first week in November last season, according to True Media, they had examined 734 single-season performances back to 2000 at that point with their metrics for evaluating defense, right? You know, what, what, everything that goes into that. That Detroit Lions team was 734th out of 734 teams. The next worst, 733rd, the 2008 Lions that finished 0-16. Holy cow. Yeah, not a... No. They got to get that defense going. Absolutely they, have to get that they defense just have to going. Be. And, it, and it can only be better. So if they're average, to your point, I'm giving golf some help. If they're average, enough, right? Never that easy, but yes, you would think. You would you would think, but it's, I'm telling you, it every season takes on its own path, um, strengths, weaknesses. You just don't know where it's going to go. But Detroit, and remember this too: everybody's preparing hard for Detroit's offense this year. Um, hard, like they put everybody, every you know, every defensive coordinator. That's their. How do we stop that? It's like Miami, Detroit, all the new wave. It's almost like Kansas City and Buffalo are kind of the old. Uh, we can't stop them. They have Mahomes and Josh Allen. How are we going to stop this Miami-Detroit nonsense we have going on, putting up 27 a game? So That's where it was smart to stay ahead. And I think Gibbs, Agreed. Montgomery, it's something different, right? It's something different for teams to think but about. Kyle, yeah, like you said for. that about Buffalo, too. You wanted them to kind of put the foot on the gas, get more, score more points. And they went out and got that weapon at tight end as well. So I, these teams aren't settling 
Like, I like that. I agree with you. Good stuff. Jim, I think we're, we're awake. Yeah. We're feeling good. We got our preseason. That was an early morning recording. That's good. It's preseason. Hey, it. It's preseason. We had to recap. We had to recap the weekend. Yeah. We'll definitely uh, be back soon. I'm actually going to fly to Minneapolis this week. The Vikings, Titans have some joint practices. So we'll be sitting down with a player on each squad for some profiles. Learning about those Vikings. Interesting team. They call it the competitive rebuild. Trying to win now while also not destroy their future, which is smart. And to, they'll they'll be in the mix. I mean, they can talk themselves into winning that division still. So I'm, I'm eager to chat with some folks out there. And we're going to have a feature this week. Without giving too much away, I had an extended conversation with a general manager for a team in the NFC who has done an exceptional job and completely turned that team around in some unconventional ways. So we really went deep on a wide range of topics. I don't know if I sold it enough. I don't want to give too much away, but I I really enjoyed that conversation. So uh, again, that's going to be for subscribers like most of our kickoff features have. So subscribe, go along, td.com. Eight a month, 50 a year. If you really, really love us, 150 a year to be a VIP member, which will get you a go long hoodie, a signed copy of the Blood and Guts, How Tight End Save Football, and many more features that will be announced soon. So thank you, everybody out there, for joining the community. Hopefully we'll see you soon.